Welcome, guys. Once again, another very special episode of Kieran's Corner, your team, your say. With me today, I have James to talk about, this is going to hurt me as a, as a New England fan, talk about the Tampa Bay Bucks. How are you doing today, mate? I'm very good. How are you doing, mate? Uh, uh, you know, we, we, we're getting there. Uh, we've got to talk about Tom Brady for a little bit, so I might be in a little bit of uh, pain. But before we get into it, you are across the pond with... James Hill um, at pond underscore across the on Twitter. If anyone wants to go follow him, got some great content over there, even if he does talk about the Bucks and Gators a little bit too much. Um, but, but let's get into where we always start with. And last year's off season, you were coming off a legendary 30 for 30 season for your signal caller. How apprehensive were you going into the off season that Jameis Winston might resign? Do you know what? It's, now where I'm sitting, as a as we know what happens, um, it's easy to say this, but at the time, I wasn't sure if getting rid of Jameis was 100% the right thing to do. I was happy to move on. It was just what was the other options because I knew Tom Brady had that well had the potential, but yeah, I just assumed he was going to resign, and I didn't want Philip Rivers. Like he he basically is an older version of Jameis Winston, and that was what everyone was touting. It was going to be Rivers, so. If I had that choice, if Brady wasn't an option, I would have probably rather tried to get Winston back for a few years and try and actually give him a better line, give him some support. But yeah, at the same time, I was when the, when it all played out like it did, I was quite relieved to see Winston go. To be fair, well, I think that's the thing, and even from the outside looking in, I was sort of like, look, this happens a lot with Arians. We know his system is always very high interceptions the first year, and obviously Jameis was kind of playing blind, and that's not. Like he didn't know the playbook, Literally. his eyes didn't fucking work. So that, that was that was kind of crazy. But um, obviously you had the draft. Grab guys like Tristan Wirth, some very talented guys in that draft. It was a great pool of players you guys grabbed. Um, how how did you feel when you heard the Tom Brady news? Was it sort of one of those pinch yourself moments? Did you have to Google a load of sources just to check it was true? Yeah, um, I. I... It sounds, there's nothing worse after the event, but I generally, when there was news that he probably wasn't going to re-sign with the, the Patriots and he was looking at his options, I generally thought there would be a good chance we'd get him. I didn't think it would happen, but I thought if he was going to go anywhere else, if he's looking to make a big story, Tampa Bay was the perfect place. You know, a lot of people love Florida, retirement home, all that stuff. No income tax. The, <laughs> yeah, but the fact the Bucks were, you know, such a poor team for so long, if you can come in there and just got, it's got us to the playoffs, that's a great achievement. So it all made sense. And we had a great offense. Like no one, I know we signed a lot of players, but Michael Evans, Chris Godwin just came off a thousand yard season. OJ Howard, the injuries are frustrating, but he's an amazing player. You know, we had a lot of pieces, but Brady didn't have it, the Patriots at the end. So I was very confident once that was confirmed, he was leaving, that we had a really good shout. But did I really, when it actually happened, I did do the same as what you just said. I kept looking at all my sources Saying so this like April Fools, but yeah, it, it was very quickly apparent it was happening. Um, and I did get very excited by that. How did you feel in the first few weeks though? Because 
you seem to struggle. And obviously you've got a, although he's like a 21 year vet in the NFL as a new system, you know, new players he's trying to gel with no off season. Yeah. Were you slightly worried that, oh shit, maybe Brady's washed. Um, that's the thing. So everyone was saying Brady was washed. Well, you know, a lot of people wanted him to be washed after what they saw at the end of the Patriots. But I wasn't really buying that. I think obviously you are a Patriots fan. I think you would have probably looked at him and gone, things haven't been there for him. It's not just him. Certainly he hasn't got a wide receiver wise. There was literally injury after injury outside Julian Edelman. You didn't have anyone. And he was being triple teamed after the time. Yeah. So I, I could definitely see that Brady didn't have a, much of a deep threat. He didn't have much help. So I didn't feel concerned, but the off season and the whole pandemic, one, I didn't even think it was going to have a season. I thought being a Bucks fan, it's typical. We finally signed Tom Brady. We got all this buzz about us and then they're going to cancel the season. Um, but I also knew realistically, my eyes were set not necessarily on last season. That was hopefully to build the blocks. And once the season got going, we'd have squeak into the playoffs. I would have been well happy with that. Anything less than that, people would have been jumping on the back of him. But if someone said to me, we win nine to 10 games, get to the playoffs, I'd have been like, great. That's a good achievement. That's a good achievement given what's happened. Um, and then this season coming is what I would have expected our one and only chance would have been. So. I was apprehensive, and they were very hit and miss that first four or five weeks. He had five touchdowns against the Chargers. And then played. There was a lot of um, things to iron out, but you could see the potential. Um, and that defence, I, I, I've always believed that defence was going to be good. Maybe not as good as it was at the end of the season. Um, so, yeah, I, I had faith that they would come through the second half, but I didn't think it would go like it did, obviously. Yeah, well... We, we're going to talk about LSU players because that's what I try and do a lot. But Devin White was an, a, an absolute force for you guys. And a lot of people don't realise he was actually recruited as a, uh, a running back, sorry, not a linebacker. So he has this ridiculous athletic profile. And we saw it in the Super Bowl. He's an absolute phenomenal player. But the whole defence as a whole, JPP, Barrett, all of these guys. Then you had Antoine Winfield and stuff in the secondary the team was absolutely stacked and that's not taking anything away from that offense. That's an incredibly explosive offense. Rojo, Leonard Fournette, Scotty Miller, Chris Godwin, OJ Howard, uh, Chris Evans. You have this, sorry, Mike Evans. You have this massive cast of superstars and, yeah. and it feels like after those first few weeks and you iron stuff out, everything came together and, and it looked you look like the best team in the NFL. I mean, you obviously want to show that in the Super Bowl, but you absolutely were just taking people apart with surgical precision. We really saw that against Green Bay. And Scotty Miller, take well, basically took Kevin King's job off of him, poor guy. <laughs> but how, how did you feel when you made it back to the playoffs? Because you hadn't really been serious contenders since 2002. I will give a shout out to Brad Johnson. His uh, son's currently playing quarterback at LSU. He's going to lead us to another national championship. But, ah, so the Max Johnson's, ah, I didn't know that. Yeah, he's, it. Miles Brennan's arm fell off. So we've got, yeah. um, <laughs> we, we've got the lefty in to absolutely destroy things. But how, how did you feel when you got to the playoffs? Was it relief or was there more apprehension that, you know, this was your toughest games? Because, Washington gave you a hell of a game. They did, yeah. Um, I think I so I've I've been a Bucks fan, proper Bucks fan since 2014. I started following them about 2011, but 
yeah, I can't really say I watched until 2014. So from my experience, the Bucks have been nowhere near the playoffs. They have one winning season. So for me to make the playoffs as an individual fan was incredible. So for me, getting there was a great achievement. But you know what? I was a bag of nerves from the moment we got there because I knew there's two things and people keep saying I'm smug and stuff, but there was a serious lack of level of respect towards the end of the season because, yes, we did have an easier finish. There's no doubt about that. But we was playing as well as anyone. No one could say we wasn't. And then when we went into the playoffs, everyone was sort of trying to lean that Washington might just trip us up. And and in the end, it was a very tight game. But that kind of came down to... I can't even think we've caught with that's name now. Uh, uh, Taylor Heineke. Yeah, I mean, he had an absolutely exceptional game. But the thing is, the Bucks spent... I don't know why they did this, but it generally looked like it watching the game. They spent the whole week watching the wrong quarterback. I mean, we knew he had issues and he might have been a bit of a doubt, but they generally didn't put any of, anything else into place. And obviously, he didn't put much on tape either. And it looked like that. We, looked, we didn't have Devin White. And I think that was huge, that game, because there was so many missed tackles and... We just allowed them to stay in that game, but fair play to them. They, they, I don't think anyone really believed they would. Um, but in the end, that was our toughest challenge, technically. If you want to, I mean, all right, some people have said about the Packers, but what, Washington, me, Washington aren't a bad team. No, defensively, they were one of the strongest teams in the NFL last year. So it wasn't like you were playing a group of scrubs. Yeah, their no. record maybe didn't reflect the, the how good they were, but they certainly were a good team. They tripped up Pittsburgh for sure. Yeah, I mean, I'd say there was actually a quarterback from being a contender, like a proper contender where people were talking them up. I mean, you know, their issues at quarterback, it was a great story, but it was never, there was never good. Um, and the, the thing that surprised me is I thought we'd struggle to score. But in the most part, Brady played really well. But he was very productive. And I thought, you know, they, against a tough defence, we made it look quite easy. But our defence probably was the only game for, for weeks towards the end of the season where they actually weren't very good. But um, yeah, I mean, I was a bag of nerves because I just kept thinking, we've got a great chance against Washington. If nothing else, can we at least win that game? So I know what one making the playoffs is like, but also winning the game. So once we did that, I knew well, anything that happened after that, we had achieved more than what I'd expect at the start of the year. We got to the playoffs and we won a game. And I knew we had the Saints coming up next. And obviously, given how we played against them <laughs> the other two times, um, I was more hopeful than confident, I think is the word. Yeah, well, I think, in terms of who Brady is as a person, you know he's going to switch it on in the playoffs. And the Green Bay game was way tighter than the actual Super Bowl. But after you won that and you knew you were going to be playing the Super Bowl in your home stadium, how confident were you that you were going to walk away with the dub? Um, I was kind of confident. I wouldn't say I was fairly confident because anyone who knows the Bucks know that there's no home advantage, partly because... You know, because we haven't been a good team, we don't necessarily get the fans there. Um, our record at home has not been great. Even last season, our home record wasn't great or anything. So I wasn't like, oh, well, we're at home. I think the difference, and we obviously won on the road, literally all the way through. Washington, the Saints. So a bit of me felt like it's going to be good. But because it was COVID, it wasn't, there was a home advantage, but it wasn't like, you know, if it had been normal COVID, everyone has to fly in, has to do the press conferences and everything else. It was sort of like they left it really late to come over. So it must have almost felt like a regular season game for the Chiefs and they'd already beaten us at Raymond James Stadium. So I certainly wasn't necessarily confident because we was at home, but the story behind everything that got us there and the fact that we was our first team to actually play in our own stadium and have that opportunity just felt like it would be a typical Brady story. He's come in in a pandemic, should never be winning a Super Bowl with a new team. And here he is in their own stadium doing something that nothing's ever been done before. It just felt like it was going to happen. 
So I was yeah. confident, but I think it was hope, to be fair. And how did you feel from kickoff to, you know, first, second, third, fourth quarter, all the way to the end of the game? Did you yeah. go for a range of emotions or were you just I, holding your breath almost because of how <laughs> the Chiefs are? Yeah, I, there was no way I was comfortable. I think until maybe the last couple of drives, I was like a giggly mess, really. And then obviously the fact they just kept turning the ball up, we were starting to turn the ball over and he was running for his life. He just knew it wasn't going to happen. But it was literally the last five minutes of the game. All my mates, were, everyone was messaging me going, you've got this. Like, what are you getting stressed about? And like, but it's, until it's done, Mahomes is, you know, a, mag- a magician, to be fair. But, you know, I, I, the emotions, I can't even describe it. I mean, I've heard, I've seen so many people watch their team play in Super Bowls and they go, you know, they're used to it people like Giants fans obviously you've you've experienced far too many Super Bowls yeah um, and I'm sure after a while it just becomes routine doesn't it but I one never thought I might even see the Bucks play a Super Bowl if you said to me a year or so ago if a Brady would sign I might have been a bit more hopeful but I was worrying if I was gonna go through a hole in my life without seeing him ever win so to actually be there watch like seeing it actually happen and unfolding I was a nervous wreck but yeah it was the best thing ever when they won I actually as sad as it sounds I did cry so, well, that's not sad at all. I, I've cried at every Patriots Super Bowl win, especially Super Bowl 51, just how incredible it was. But how how were your emotions when you heard that they'd re-signed all 22 starters? How were you then? I'm shocked. I I always thought we'd probably work the book a little bit and, you know, sign a majority of them. But I didn't, even when it's like AB came back and Fournette, I generally didn't think we'd sign them again. Um and let's face it, it does make a bit of a mockery of the salary cap. I mean, we're not the only team to do it. The Saints have been doing it for five years. But, yeah, I mean, it's going to hurt us two years' time. Um, but, yeah, amazing. And at least now I get to see us try and defend it with the players. And I think the thing that people aren't going to see from the outside, because now we've got a target on our back, is that the group of players is kind of a mix match. You've got AB, who I wasn't overly chuffed about re-signing, like signing him on. But at least he kept his head down. He was more than humble. He did everything right. And he's got another chance now to, well, let's hope he doesn't keep fighting. Um, you know, he's got another chance to actually have a whole season with us now and have success. And you've got, like, Fournette, he was going through all sorts of emotions before he came to us, during us, and even going into the playoffs. And that story now is incredible. Like, I mean, I generally was so excited to have him signed. And we didn't really see the best of him until the end. But like the mixed mixed bag of players that came together, but they were such a unit. They were so close together that literally I love all of them. Like that group of team, like they, I don't think I'm ever going to have a Bucks group that I'm like so in love with. And the fact they hopefully have a successful year this year as another as the same group, I'm really excited to see. And I haven't asked a Bucks fan this yet, but do you think Devin White was snubbed for Super Bowl MVP? Uh, yeah, hundred percent. I know they Talk vote on it. it in like the third quarter, but <sighs> yeah, I mean it was, it was typical. Brady was going to get that though, wasn't he? I mean, it's always a quarterback anyway. And the fact, to be fair, Brady winning it is incredible at his age. So I knew he wouldn't not win it. But yeah, I think there's probably two or three people in that. Dude. The whole defence should just get it. And there wasn't, I mean, Devin White was amazing. Of course he was, but so were they all. <laughs> I don't think anyone could have pictured that happening. And even with Mahomes literally flying through the air, I mean, they still, they shut him down completely. I don't think we're ever going to see that again. Well, you, you played your role perfectly. You played... Look, it, it's, it was shown how to beat the Chiefs all season and it is just send four every time and then yeah. just keep everything else covered. And the Bills tried that. They didn't quite have the personnel. They 
you know, they ran the correct schemes, they ran the correct packages, they just didn't have the personnel who could communicate correctly. And that's when you see guys like Devin White and Antoine Winfield really shine, these really high IQ players who knew how to keep everything together perfectly. So going into the draft, I I thought you were going to take O-line in the first round. I'm going to be honest. I felt like, you know, Brady's intent is to be there for a few more years. Why not stick <laughs> a, a premier tackle around him? So how did you feel? Obviously, you took Kyle Trask as well, which was a very strange pick in my mind. But how did you feel with the 2021 draft? Um, coming back from a Bucks perspective, we're normally in the top 10 or top 15. So it felt boring to watch the draft. <laughs> but it felt like it was... Um, it felt like it was nothing special about it. But then when you're picking at the end of each round, you're kind of looking to hopefully get someone in the first round that can contribute a little bit, but more in the future. And the, obviously the Bucks now not needing anyone particularly desperate. I think that's why they went for Joe Tryon. They generally had him sort of around the mid first round or second, I think, uh, edge rusher. And it is a place we need. JPP's in his final year. He's not getting any younger. I'd like to see him come back, but... Once again, the finances are going to have yeah, to Yeah, that's like, one of the things. JPP's at the point in his career where he's never been paid that big bag so far. Mm. And guys at his level of play, you need to get that generational wealth contract. You get the contract yeah. so nobody in your family tree ever fucking works again sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. But Tryon's been killing it so far. He's looked great in camp. He's looked great in preseason games. Yeah. Are you hopeful for a repeat this year? Um. Yeah, <laughs> I am. Um, yeah, no, I absolutely am. I, it's, it's a weird situation to be in because I'm so used to us being a bit of an underdog. And last year, I think we absolutely benefited from people probably disrespect. I don't want to use disrespect. It's not the right word, but no one was really expecting us to do what we did. I don't think we was getting quite the credit we deserved at the end. I think you know disrespect is probably the right word, to be honest. If you see well, what everyone some keeps telling me it's saying. not. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it was disrespect personally, but. Um, I think the thing is that just adds fuel to the fire. So like your Devin Whites, your Tom Brady's, that they fuel off that. And they showed that. So this year it's going to be different. Now they're getting held to another level. Everyone's expecting. And we have still got a lot of young players. So that's going to be interesting to see how Arians manages to keep that level of expectation to a good level, but also push them to, to stick up to it. I think if the, to win a Super Bowl back to back is very, it does happen. You know that very well. Um, but it's rare at the end of the day. So I'm not silly enough to sit and go, even though I do believe we're one of the best teams in the NFL, if not probably us and the Chiefs are still the two probably standouts. Getting back there is not easy. So for me, making the playoffs, trying to at least win a game would be what I hope, to be honest. Anything after that is amazing. Yeah, and there's a couple of players I, I want to spotlight and want to kind of get your opinion on. Uh, first one, JF3. How do you, obviously disappointing injury at the start of the season. I thought he was going to be your Taysom Hill, just just who he is as a player, how he throws the ball, how he, you know, ran a four one nine forty at his pro day. How devastating was that injury news to you as a fan, even though if he wasn't, you know, a, a main star in the media or whatever? Yeah, I mean, it, it was a, it's one of those like it, it was obviously it wasn't ideal, but. Um, at the same time, like I, just, I don't know, you, you, I just trusted the whole process. I wasn't, I wasn't too concerned about it, but I know what you're saying it wasn't like a massive story or anything like that. But and I, I know they had big plans for him, but yeah, <laughs> the horrible thing is it happens, doesn't it? It feels like every year we was lucky in the most part last year, but every team loses someone and at the wrong time. So 
you kind of expect a few to happen. And obviously, as long as the big names aren't falling apart, you kind of think, oh, okay, unfortunately, someone's got to do it. And yeah, disappointing. But and it was just disappointing we didn't get to experiment it. That was the thing. Like that if, from what they sound like they wanted to do, it would have been fun to see. But yeah, it's just one of those things. But you know, we had so much else about that it wasn't a major concern, to be fair. And then Scotty Miller as well. I mean, it's not like he came out of nowhere. He's been a good player, but obviously there's the memes about Brady needs that kind of short white guy and he's out of a Mac school like Julian Edelman was. Shout out to Bowling Green State. That's my girlfriend's, um, what is it, alma mater, whatever they call it out here. Um, he was fantastic all season. Did, do you think that was kind of just him building up a connection with Brady or do you think this would have happened with him and any quarterback coming in? Um, there was other people behind him on the depth chart that, I don't know, I think would have taken some of those snaps and done a decent job. But obviously, Scotty Miller's got, he's the fastest player on this team. He's lightning. Um, he did show signs with Winston the year before. Um, in fact, Deshaun Jackson kind of got pushed out of the team because they, he finally started settling in. So, you know, Jackson would say he was injured, but he weren't. It was just simply because he was worse out of the two so it wasn't a total shock to me but there was a lot of reports you know when Brady was doing his high school sneaky sort of everyone was coming down and obviously doing their practice before the season started Scotty Miller was there a lot of it and um you could there was a bit of banter between them two on a couple of just the videos you saw and he was calling him Scooter and things like that which we know is his nickname but Brady calling him Scooter is you know friendship level sort of thing so they obviously had an instant connection you appreciate what what he could bring but that speed is well, we've seen it. Even when teams should know, you've just got to keep him on one side. It's easiest ever done. Um, so he was massive. Obviously, that got, the Packers touchdown. I mean, it felt like we won when that happened. And, in, you know, Brady kind of had a bit of a blip in the second half, which kept him in it. But he just brings that. And that's what the Bucks have missed for so long. Like, we brought in Deshaun Jackson. He never worked. He blamed Winston. And I think there's a bit in that. Um but yeah, I, I just think he's perfect and he fits exactly like I say. He can do the short routes, he can go long. We've brought in people this year. Um, Darden, is it Darden? I don't know. I was about to ask about Jalen Darden. Do you think now I that think... there's more attention on Scotty Miller, do you think Jalen Darden's going to kind of be this year's Scotty Miller for you guys? Yeah, I, I, I think as it goes on, I think Darden will probably take quite a lot of those snaps from Scotty Miller, which is going to be a bit of a shame, but he's really excelling in training. I mean, everything I see, he's making phenomenal catches. He's he's obviously got good speed. He's not Scotty Miller, but he's got good speed. But he's such a tricky runner. He's probably going to be more like your Julian Edelman style player, where he's going to make those short to mid routes that people are going Third to be just going to find. Yeah, he's going to find space and. Brady is obviously going to love that. So I think second half of the season, he's one to watch out for. Yeah. and Yeah, that's what I was thinking, though. Look, now more people sort of cottoned on to Scotty Miller and how he plays. Jalen Darden's probably going to get a lot of extra snaps just because Scotty Miller's going to be triple covered, I think, probably in some games. And that's the problem people have with the Bucks. Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, and Scotty Miller all on the field at once. It's yeah. just, it's kind of unfair, I think, a little bit that you guys have so much talent. But, you know, Brady's there and, you know, if you build it, they will come, I think, is what Arian said. That's it. Um, That's true. So give me your prediction for next season. You can be as hopeful or as uh, conservative as you like. I think when I looked into this before on, on our podcast, I generally, I had them down as a 12 and 4, uh, 12 and 4, 13 and 4 team. 
with it being about 11 being the floor, maybe 14 being the ceiling, it's hard to know the South. The South, the Saints, I can't get my head around. I generally think there's a chance the Saints are absolutely terrible because they're still trying to work out their quarterback situation. They've lost the depth. They've lost a couple of starters. They can't still be a 10-plus win team for me, but they could still do us over. The Falcons, they've got too much on offense that they couldn't maybe sneak a game against us. And the Panthers, I'm a little bit lower on them than some people are, but they've got enough pieces there. And I do generally like the coaching staff, where they're going with it. I feel like it's a year too soon, but they could still take a win off us. And if it's like that, our division could be, you know, we might nick it, but I don't think we're running away with it. So 12, 13 wins is what I've got for the regular season. And I think we're going to dominate it. That sounds really big. I I just think Brady should be as settled as he should be this year. I mean, he went through, he had a great year still last year. And now he's had an off season. Everyone's had another year. We're fucked. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, there was obviously things taken out of the playbook. I'm sure there's things been put back in it now. Um, but, you know, he mixed up. They, they really did a good job of mixing up what Arians likes to do and what Brady likes to do. And the thing is, Brady is able to throw the ball deep. He is able to do some more things that people weren't allowing him to. And Bruce Arians not stupid. He's a, I mean, Byron Leftwich was a quarterback for him once. You know, Byron Leftwich was not this massive, amazing quarterback. He was a guy that liked to do the short passes in the middle. So he's able to do the adaption. Everyone just assumes he's going to be no risky, no biscuit. And that doesn't work. So what they did is they came together. And I think the fact they've got a whole off-season now with the same players, everyone should know their job. It should be better on paper, as long as everyone stays fit and healthy. Um, and we also weren't healthy last year. Chris Godwin missed three or four games that first 10 weeks. Brady yeah. didn't have an played, MCL. Had... Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then there's that as well. I mean, Evans literally was limping around for four weeks, having to play because we had no one else before AB signed. Um, but we have so much depth there that I think now they've got more experience, we, have, we should be fine. But obviously, we've still got AB, and he's now coming in on the back of an operation that he should have had two years ago. And, and he's been lighting up practices. So, you know, I mean, if, if you've got Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, and Antonio Brown, I mean, and as well as Gronk, OJ Howard, like, who do you stop? And with Brady, I just think Brady will have a better year this year. Like, I didn't think he had a bad year last year, but he's, there's no excuse for him not to at least repeat what he did last year. So... Yeah, it's, it's and, definitely there. And how do you how do you see week four going? Brady's returning home, kind of. Um, and we I'll don't know if a... Cam Newton or, or Mac Jones is going to start. I'm going to assume Cam Newton because you know, Bills just said Cam Newton's going to be the starter this year. But how do you feel like that game goes? Do you think Brady will have any jitters? Yeah, I, I generally only see it going one way. And I think the thing is, the Patriots will be coming in with not much to lose, where we're going to, you know, everyone's going to expect us to be doing quite well. And obviously, everyone's going to be hoping Brady probably wins, you know, from the Bucks' perspective. So there's going to be more pressure on Brady. It's going to be made such a thing, but I just think he'll bottle it a bit. I don't, and I don't mean Brady bottles it very often, but you do see him have the jitters. I think the team will be trying too hard, and I can just see the Patriots just winning it. And also, but, Bill has played with him for... 20 yeah. years he knows how to scheme Brady's weaknesses that's the thing if anyone should have an idea how to play Brady you'd like to think it's going to be Bill and his team um, I mean the only thing for me is if Cam Newton is still your quarterback by that point either he's surprisingly <laughs> we fucked if Cam started <laughs> <laughs> I mean I, I honestly did not see you re-signing him I just didn't see it I, I would have started thought... Stidham last year personally he he probably would have done a better job That like the one game he came in with Cam Newton in, he threw more yards and the same amount of touchdowns in one quarter. I mean, <laughs> no. it was against a very bad Chargers team, but still. It doesn't matter. 
Yeah, he could throw the ball, you mean. That's basically the difference. Cam Newton's still effective as a running quarterback, but you can't just keep doing that the whole time unless you're playing the Raiders. I mean, that's the only way it works. <laughs> but yeah, for me, if you're bringing, if Cam Newton's still a starter by that point, then I fancy he might win it. But I think Matt Jones comes in, he's going to be the unknown quantity. If it's anything like Buck's history against quarter, uh, rookie quarterbacks, we're useless. Um, I just think you guys will win that. I, I don't want it to happen for Brady more than anything. Um, but I do think you'll probably win that. Bill's too good a coach to not let Brady get that over him. I also think that the hatred these two seem to have for each other, I feel like Bill, he, he yeah. a, a pride thing. I think he, he, he can't lose that game. But no. as we always do when, when we sort of get to the third section of the show is how did you become a Bucks fan? We've heard multiple stories of oh, this team drafted me in Madden or I like the colour of the jerseys or it was the, the first team I saw on Channel 5 at 4am on a Sunday or whatever. So how did you become a Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan? So it was kind of by chance, really, because I saw a couple of Super Bowls in the mid-noughties. I was watching for the halftime show, so I didn't really care. Um, I knew nothing about the NFL and I went to Orlando, first ever time in America. I think it was about the fifth or sixth day we decided to go to Clearwater. And at that point, all I'd done was theme park. So it was nice to go on a road trip, but there was nothing to really see. It was just a highway. And then it, all of a sudden, we got to this bit where it was obviously some nice skyscrapers and everything else. I was like, oh, wow, that's cool. Like, where's this? And then they said it was Tampa. And then, and then there's a bit where he starts going around, like the, I can't remember the intersection's called, but you go around it and you can see over the bay and you can see Tampa. And then I, and being a massive sports fan, I, I always look out for stadiums and stuff like that. I wasn't even looking for it. I just looked over and then I could see a stadium. I was like, okay, curiosity, looked it up. I found out they had an NFL team, which blew my mind. Don't know why, but in my head, I was like, this place has got an NFL team. That's amazing. So I went to Clearwater, had a great time. Literally my favourite place in the world now. Um, and then I was just a bit fascinated with it. Going around the like, Walmarts, I saw the Gators stuff. And the only other thing I saw was the Buccaneers. So I kind of held on to that. And I always checked like the apps to see how both teams were doing. Never watched anything because I didn't really understand it really that well. Um, and then 2014, I decided I really want to try and get into the Super Bowl thing. Right? So we had a Super Bowl night. I watched the playoffs. Within a couple of games, I pretty much worked it all out for myself, which I was quite pleased about. Um, I watched, that was the year that the Broncos obviously beat the Patriots. I watched that game. I fell in love with Peyton Manning. Um, and then obviously Seattle played them in the Super Bowl. Um, and then the following year, I, I was absolutely hooked. I loved it. Even though the game was obviously a one-sided game, I loved Peyton Manning already by that point. I was gutted for him, but I enjoyed the whole thing. We obviously did burgers. We did the whole lot. And I got a couple of mates involved. So then the following year, I was like, okay, well, I've been kind of following the Bucs without really watching it. They're going to be my team. And that's literally it. I watched the Bucs that following year. It was my first full season of watching the NFL. Watched the Bucs every week and they went 2-14 and and we had the number one overall pick. (laughs) But, you know, it didn't put me off at all. I generally thought, well, this this sums up my fanhood of every sport team I follow. Um, And I was excited to see what they did with the number one overall pick. And that's the thing I, I enjoy about British fans of sports, especially, is that American fans are way too fucking optimistic. Like every single British fan, it, while they might be quietly optimistic, are very outwardly pessimistic. And that's what I like about we that we bring to the sport is we're trash. We're probably not going to win this year. But um, on the back of that, what is your lowest moment of the as a Bucks fan, and then your highest moment as a Bucks fan? Although I think I can guess the highest moment. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll get the highest moment out of the way because that's not going to take much thinking about. That's literally the Super Bowl. Um, the lowest moment, God, there's too many. Generally, it would have to go back to that first year. Oh, 
that so I'm gonna give you two because I remember that first year far too well. Josh McCown as a quarterback. I was, you know, I didn't know much about the NFL really going into that season, but I knew he was a veteran. Louis, uh, Lovey Smith brought him in to be a solid player. So I was like, okay, that sounds smart. And um, just watching him bored me to tears. I was just like, throw the ball, just stop holding it. I'd rather you intercept it because he fumbled it when he got knocked over. So I got so frustrated with that. And that was the last moment, just watching him every week, pretty much. We played the Packers that season and we lost by three points. And I think it was something like, I don't know, I want to say like 16, 13. And we was terrible that year. And if Josh McCown had, hadn't got sacked, we would have, I think we had a field goal to win it. Or he lost by two or something like that. So that was a bad moment because I generally thought we was going to beat Aaron Rodgers. Um, but then there was also this moment, which was Austin Severian Jenkins caught a ball against the Vikings. who we went to overtime, um, quite a simple catch. And he held on to it, fumbled it, and they went and took it down for a touchdown. And I just remember that being summed <laughs> up the whole season, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. That's the crazy thing about football as well. You can game plan, scheme, do everything correctly, but sometimes it just doesn't come together. And that sounds like one of those moments for sure. Like it just, it just hurts. Like, I mean, like, and, and you, you'll know this as, as a Gators fan, especially uh, your game against LSU this year, you played your asses off and then Marco Wilson wanted to have a go at being a quarterback through a yeah. cleat across the field, which led to Cade York absolutely nailing a field goal. And I think it's moments like that that happen so unexpectedly, which, yeah. you know, when the game, as it is with clock management and just one play making a difference, it, it's tough. It is tough. I think that's why we love sport, though, isn't it? There's no script at all. No one could have scripted what happened in that Gators game. We had it in the bag. All we had to do was just not take his shoe off, or not his shoe, throw that shoe at him, and we won that game. And to be honest, we would have been actually in with a shout of the playoffs it would have still been just about possible if we beat the Alabama but yeah that summed up that season as well yeah, <laughs> that was Trask... the lowest, lowest moment for a Gators fan because Trask was having a great year how do you feel that he's now on the Bucks? do you have any hopes for him at all do you think it was just a we'll take no, a backup I'm a Trask I love Trask um I know I mean obviously there's concerns I get all that I know why he wasn't the number one overall pick but I've, I've said this before if you're going to follow Tom Brady and if you are looking to sort of try and, you know, this coaching team in the most part will probably still be together two years time. If you, as long as you've got a good line, there's no reason why pocket passer can't succeed. And if we are looking to just move on, he's a perfect person to do that. He's got time to learn. And he's also come from a bit of a background similar to Brady high school. He wasn't even a starter for until like the last five, six games. He had to work his bollocks off to get that. He goes into the NFL, um, into college. He wasn't the starter for the Gators. He never really was planned to be the starter. Two quarterbacks over the course of a couple of years lost, just didn't do their job very well. Injuries. He got his opportunity and took full control of it. And last year, you can't, it's hard to sort of say he wasn't a top quarterback. I know he doesn't run. If you take all that out of it, he was as good as anyone. So I know he's got, there's going to be some hurdles. There's a little bit of question mark about his game and his arm. But generally, I think, give him two years. And, and in the preseason game against the, in the Bengals, generally felt sorry for him he was brilliant he did nothing wrong no one caught the ball so then you look at the line and like a few bucks fans are like oh yeah i told you it was a bust and it's like no you didn't watch the game did you so i also put a, um, i had a free 10 pound bet that he would um, be drafted by the bucks end up winning 150 quid off it so yeah i'm very happy that he is a buck 
mainly because my, my pocket's a bit fuller. And, and then again, the main criticisms of Kyle Trask are the main criticisms people had of Tom Brady going into the draft. I'm not going to say they're the same player, but he couldn't move. He's a bit of statue. His arm wasn't particularly great. Like, people forget that people meme on Tom Brady for being a statue or being slow or whatever. But going into the draft, he might be one of the most physically unimpressive quarterbacks people have ever seen. He didn't have a big arm. He wasn't very athletic. He didn't put much zip on the ball. But when you watched him at Michigan, you know, you'd bring him on for, was it Drew Henson, who would fuck the game up for three quarters. And then you bring Brady on for mop-up duty, uh, uh, who would then clutch a game. And then still was look, not looked at by any NFL team. And Drew Henson just fucked off and played baseball for a couple of years. And then yeah. he tried to play football. was fucking wank at that when he played for the Cowboys. So, <laughs> so I think it's right place, right time. And I think Trask might be in the right place. And two years down the line might be the right time for him. Yeah, I mean, it's probably more hopeful again because you just never know. You could be the most talented person coming out of college. It doesn't mean it's going to work. But I can see him building a career for himself whether it is only a couple of years or whether it's a backup like long term I don't know but Bruce Arians has been really positive about him and I think he's a Bruce Arians type of quarterback I don't know how long Bruce Arians is going to be there but I think he might I think he leaves when Brady does to be honest potentially I mean I generally thought there's a chance he might have left this year or maybe if we win another Super Bowl because it's more like he said he wants to pass it on to Todd Bowles or Byron Efferich and I want him to pass it on to Todd Bowles personally I know the Jets wasn't the best um, yeah, I mean, he had one very good year, but isn't maybe the best uh, resume to get excited about. But what he's done for the Bucks' defense, um, and as a bloke, I generally really like him. So I would like to, if we won another Super, I'd love it if Bruce Aaron stepped down because I think one, it's great he goes out on the top, he can rest and go back in the commentary box if he wants to. And Todd Bowles gets to inherit a team that's maybe not terrible and just has a bit of a chance to actually make a name for himself. Because I, I do honestly really appreciate everything he's done the last two years. And then, obviously, Brady, you know, he's not been there his entire life. But current or past roster, are there any Bucks players you, you really hold as, like, your favourite players? Yeah. So, obviously, you talked about Devin White earlier. And, obviously, he's fast. Yeah, coming. <laughs> I, I, I said after the Super Bowl, the way he performed, if he continues on that trajectory, he's for sure a Hall of Famer. Oh, yeah, I mean, even if he probably drops down a level, I think he probably would be there anyway. Um, but Levante David is... I'm so pleased that he's actually been on a successful Bucks team and winning the Super Bowl, if anyone deserved it, as him and Mike Evans probably, but he deserves it the most. He's been there the longest, nine years of crap, to be honest. And I also think he gets underrated so much. I mean, he I don't think you should just look at stats, but if you look at stats, I think 60 or 70% of them over the last... Since he's been in the NFL, including a lot of the big names, he's actually above them on tackles, on tackles for loss, sacks, even interceptions. So I feel like I'm really pleased for him that he might get another couple of years of us being successful and being on TV because I think people will appreciate him a bit more. So he's probably my number one guy. Mike Evans, very closely second. I love Mike Evans. He's just away from football. He's a great, he seems a great guy. Everyone who meets him, he takes photos. There's none of that issue. He's, he's there for the fans. He even lets someone hold his Super Bowl ring. He didn't let him look at it. He actually gave Yeah, yeah I, I saw that actually. And, and um. I like Mike Evans. He he backs he backs his teammates. We've seen when um, was it Marshawn Lattimore who was poking at Winston's head, and Mike yeah. Evans just came out of nowhere and just demolished him. And that's like, yeah, it might be a little bit violent, but that's the sort of teammate you need. 
Yeah, and it, I mean, he's, he has got an aggressive side. He has his moments, but generally, like that was kind of fair because it was it was getting a bit out of hand. Like you want someone to stand up for him. All right, he did go maybe a bit over the top, but that shows that he cares about his teammates. Um, we have Ryan Jensen for that now. <laughs> well, I was going to say, people forget that football is an emotional game, and we, we can get into the new taunting rule a little bit. But Bill Belichick even said himself, he's like. When you don't celebrate a well-executed play, when you don't flex on someone or you don't show that you're excited. Yeah. Bill said there is no team ever that is good enough to execute a great play and not react. No, that's part. Of, I mean, it's a hard thing for the British to understand because they make one catch and they're like, oh my God, why are they celebrating? But it's such a big thing, isn't it? I mean, there's big moments in games. You need to get a first down. Of course you're going to celebrate. And if you make a sack... Like, if they take that part, and that's also something we actually kind of enjoy secretly. Like, you know what I mean? Like we want to be out there doing the same. <laughs> so, yeah. It's great to see. It. And people, people don't really understand. Like when, if you've, if you ever play football, when you hit someone or you get a good catch on someone, you want to flex on them. That is like a very natural reaction to be like, I'm the fucking man. So taken <laughs> and football is such an emotional game. People forget that. Like when you are playing a sport that is the contact is so heavy, and the stakes are so high every single play, emotion is going to be involved. Exactly. I mean, any sport, one, like you say, emotion is massive, but there's always a lot of, it could be the most nicest person in the world. If you're competitive, you have like an aggressive side. I'm not saying you're going to knock someone's head off, but I mean, you have that in you, it starts building up. So yeah, of course, like if you win a game, people go over the top and start celebrating and stuff. And you don't get many chances in games. Like as a receiver, you could have a great game, but you might have had 10 targets and seven catches. So you're only going to get seven moments to celebrate. So yeah, they need to not take that away. I appreciate there's, there is times where people cross the line you can celebrate without getting in someone's face all the time. But I think, yeah, yeah, it's going to ruin a the game. They start like, throwing flags just because he's celebrating a, a catch or a touchdown or a sack. Then you're taking a big part of the, the fun for the players away. How, how many weeks before they say this rule's bullshit and throw it out? Um, I think they'll fight it a while, but probably six or seven. It will start being that they stop. They stop giving it. Because my idea that these these shit rules are just so because people hate Goodell. I, I think they're setting up Peyton Manning to become NFL commissioner personally, because they know that's a guy people. Like I don't like Peyton Manning. I, I think he's a great quarterback, but I also think he's a bit of a crybaby. But I also think that there's such a level of respect from him. If they yeah. put him in as commissioner, people aren't going to question the decisions as much or boo him at the draft. So yeah. I think maybe these stupid rules like this, they're setting Roger up for a fall and then saying, we'll give you a nice retirement package or whatever. Possibly. I think a lot of people would be happy if he did go. I, I don't know how I feel about the whole Roger Goodell bit. I mean, yeah, there's times I'm like, mm, but in the most part, I don't really have an opinion, I guess. As for Payne Manning, I don't know. A lot of people don't like him, I guess, but. I don't know if that would be a good move for him because I think eventually everyone would hate him. <laughs> I mean, you know, <laughs> we, we could, we could it just Goodell's, I, the contempt I have for that man. Yeah. It, uh, and funny story, uh, Ken, who we had on the first episode of Your Team, Your Say, talking about the Texans, he works for Vodafone and Vodafone run their comms in the UK through Vodafone. And he got to ask the marketing person, He's like, is Roger Goodell a cunt in real life as well? And the poor marketing person said, he's nice, but you still know it's Roger Goodell. <laughs> which, I, which I thought was fucking hilarious, that even people who know he's nice are still sort of like, 
nah, yeah. you're still Roger Goodell. So that that yeah. that did warm my heart a little bit. Um, but we're getting to the end of the show now. Uh, and I just want to give you a, a minute or two to, to plug yourself, the podcast you appear on, and your Twitter. Yeah, so um, basically the podcast I'm on is Outside the Huddle. Um, if you're looking for it, it's Outside the Huddle UK. Um, we talk, mate, it's just mainly NFL We've tried to do, uh, we've done quite a lot in the off season trying to talk about the draft and everything else. But we obviously through the season, we're just recap on most of the important games and like most NFL pods. Um, my Twitter, which you obviously read out at the start, I won't read it again. Um, I generally, we're trying to write articles on the website now as well. And I'm trying my best to do more college stuff, which is where I'm at in the moment. But I do find that I get really into college now by week three or four. I, it's not that I drop off, but I just generally, the NFL starts taking over again. Um, but I'm definitely focusing more on that again this year and I'm doing more articles on that. So if you're interested in, in that, give us a follow. I'm trying, hopefully I'll be writing some stuff that isn't nonsense. <laughs> um, but yeah, I enjoy, I'm definitely enjoying writing more. Um, and as a team, we're trying to write more. So yeah, it's just give us a follow. Um, Outside the Huddle is on Twitter as well if you want to give us a follow. Um, and yeah, yeah, that's basically it. <laughs> yeah, and I'll, I'll actually uh, pass you along to Lee at one point as well because he's doing your team, your say, but with college teams. So I'm sure we'll be happy to have you on to talk about the Gators. And yeah. we can uh, give you a, a, a Gator, <laughs> Gator chant, or we won't do the LSU chant we do to the Gators. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you, it's outside underscore huddle on Twitter, right? Yeah, you know that better than I did. I was just looking it up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I am, of course... Uh, at the himbo F10Y, you can catch me shouting at Steelers fans or giving my terrible political opinions, um, you know, as you do. Um, but thank you guys for joining us for this brilliant episode of Your Team, Your Say, where we got to talk about the fantastic Super Bowl champion, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And I will see you all in the next one. Kick it off.